0: Hey everyone! Thank you very much for joining the podcast. We are growing. We are getting inundated with questions, and really loving talking about great. all this stuff. I uh, yep. <laughs> I thought about this podcast tonight, and what I usually do is curate some questions because you guys are writing to us mm-hmm. and pull some out, and you know pull some interesting ones. And we have so many questions, specifically from college people, college students writing yeah. in that I thought, well, let's get right to it. Let's not even talk about the news. We actually turned the last podcast that was entirely news <laughs> into entirely a news. Podcast. Yes, But I yeah, thought, exactly. this is going to be the college podcast. And it has three different stages. So early college, middle college yeah. with, you know, what yeah. do I do mid-college here? And then somebody who's graduated in their first job post-college, and they've got some money to spend. I thought
1: it could be a yep. good, yep. you know, a
0: nice slice here of – of it's a good stages,
1: and it's also stages of of life experience and car experience to this point, And what do I do? And I I agree. I think this is a great triple podcast, I a mean, triple car debate in that regard. Two of the guys happen to be named Kevin, and it's not the same guy riding under an alias, which is quite interesting. <laughs> uh, and we have, Funny. but we do have really good three different scenarios. And the other thing about it is, you guys are just. You're rocking it on the Facebook questions as we post, Hey, we're about to podcast. I mean, the first couple times I did that, it was like, here's a question, here's two questions. Now it's like twenty questions. And I'm realizing we may get to a stage where we have we have weeks where the podcast is just dealing with your questions. I mean, that's the kind of volume we're dealing wow, with. Wow. And think I of am that. not com- <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm literally just saying it's awesome. So keep posting those questions because a lot of them are and a few of them tonight are going to be just kind of yes no stuff. We're going to try to hit them quick. So that's coming up at the end. So We've decided no news or any kind of random discussions. We're going to hop right into the car debates with one exception, though, Paul. I have to stop you and congratulate you for one second.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Because a few weeks ago, we made a comment. I made kind of a joking comment where because Paul lists all of these ridiculous, here's the awesome place I look for cars, (laughs) obscure websites, It was kind of a throw-down challenge for, all right, Paul, list them up. And you guys have actually been as curious as I was and actually asked questions since then. And to Paul's great credit, go to our website right now, everydaydriver.com. Look under the writings tab. You will find Paul's secret sauce posting there of all of these. There's like 20 there. And and here's the thing. I was joking with you about it today, but I, I was joking about it because it's true. I looked down the list. I think I'd heard of two of them. Seriously, I, mean, I, I where, thought I told you was where, kind of where like... you get. Well, but that's the thing. You share them with me because you send me a random link off of one of these sites, and I go, "Oh, right. that's cool," and I don't think. I'm going to come back to this site, I just think that's a cool car you've been you've been harboring a list, and what's great is you've get given these lists out with links and you've given kind of your description for why you like all these places and I looked at the article today and was just kind of jaw dropped so if you're curious <laughs> about random places, Paul finds pristine cars, and you did cover the gamut between. I've got twenty grand to spend and I would like to get something clean to money is no object. I'm the sultan of whatever, and you've got everything in there. So I if you've been curious about that list, it is now on our website, everydaydriver.com. We will also post a link on our Facebook page tomorrow to go with this podcast. So that does exist. So thank you, Paul, because yeah. congrats. It's educating me, frankly, <laughs> so I look forward to looking at it further. I'm, I'm glad you
0: like it. And, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun putting it together, and I use it just about every podcast. I love to dream, too, and we all do. So we like yeah. to look at the yeah. fun, exotic stuff. But then there's some sort of right in the middle, like, hmm, I could afford this, maybe. And, by the way, I was going to tell you this off the air, but I'll tell you it on the air since here we are talking.
1: Okay. There, yeah, yeah.
0: there is uh, the Marshall Goldman site. I've been looking at this mm-hmm. for years now. And that Lotus of that I told you about, that blue one? It, it sold. Yeah. It, they dropped the price to 65 and then it went away. And I thought, ah, oh, somebody finally bought it. It's back mm-hmm. with 628 You're- miles, 200 miles more than when it was listed. It says, call us for the price, Crazy. you know? Like, what? Craziness. It's back. Craziness. Who who drove it for 200 miles, bought it, and or what? What's the story with this car? There it is again.
1: Yeah, I hear lurking, you. Lurking. Well, I wonder if me. they did that thing that <laughs> the dealers do, where they you know they decide to make it a dealer car for a while, and somebody at the dealer drives it for a little while and goes, okay, that was fun. But I mean, yeah, you know, be. you and I, f- further proof that you and I are different people because if I had your budget, I would have bought an Avora eight months ago and called it a day. So anyway, congrats to you on the M2 Funny. order, and we'll get back to that later because it relates to some of your Facebook comments. But oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I to get into, let's do the, the first uh, car debate. We are kind of going in college order. We've got uh, Kevin writing to us in SoCal, and uh, he is in his first year of college, and he has, I'm sorry, Kevin, uh, 2011 base <laughs> Nissan Sentra.
0: We're both sorry. We, we feel for you. You get an award for having to live with that car and. Just it's just deal with well, it I
1: mean here's here's the thing it's just that level of car and I'm not picking on the Sentra that level of car I am <laughs> in the base level well fine the, it, and it deserves it but here's the thing that level of car in base form you are you can't even see enthusiasts driving from there I mean and there and there's others in that category too but you can't even you can't even get a glimpse yeah. of enthusiast driving from there and here you are going all right I'm 19, I'm gonna start saving my money. I'm hoping to have budget by the time I'm out of college of around 30 grand, but I'm looking for lots of stuff. And you've listed a couple things you'd like. You'd like uh, good, uh, decent gas mileage. I mean, when I say decent, I mean you want 19, 20 city and maybe 28 to 30 Mm -hmm. highway. Mm -hmm. And you would prefer to have uh, stick shift, except you are acknowledging you live in the LA area. That's a problem. And then you've brought up your personal <laughs> favorites. You've driven the Honda Accord Coupe V6, which if you've seen our review, we are big fans of. The Mustang EcoBoost, possibly the V6 as an alternative. Subaru WRX. And then I have to acknowledge, you drove the Scion FRS and really liked it, but definitely felt like it needed more power. So you've taken that off the list. And you've said, all right, guys, what do I do? Do I get an automatic? Do I get a manual? What do I shop? I liked the start of this. I, I found myself tonight kind of thinking in recommendations of how to approach cars almost more than just specific cars. But I'm curious where you went, Paul. Hmm.
0: Well, I Kevin's uh, writing here, it, it kind of stuck out. He's in his first year of college and thinking about getting a new car. And I thought, oh, right hmm. there. Let's let's stop for a minute and really analyze that. You're in college. Hmm. I don't know of anybody. It's a rare thing for people to get a new car while they're in college.
1: Maybe, maybe. Yeah. yeah.
0: But the price point here is below 35 30 and believe it or not i did my best i i kind of sat on my hands and went for the <laughs> thirty thousand dollar range and slightly under okay. and then i thought okay getting a new sports car and what i read here was he lives in southern california in, in college so we need somebody something that's just gonna run that he doesn't i, yeah. I thought well don't yeah. go euro Agreed. because i don't want to you know you're in college focus on having fun in this part of your life and
1: you know, mm-hmm. still study mm-hmm. and,
0: and graduate college, think about what you want to do for a career, all that stuff. But you're just going to need something that runs. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to put a bunch of money to maintaining. You have the rest mm-hmm. of your life to get into that kind of stuff. You really do. Sure. Sure. So I yeah. thought, all right, what what's stuff that's just going to run? And by the way, that Nissan Sentra it gives future Nissan's a bad name. I just, I can't stand that Sentra, (laughs) but that doesn't mean we don't like Nissan's. I actually like that new Murano driving around, the brand, brand, brand spanking new Murano. I'm going, wow, even though it's an SUV, there's there's some stylistically creative things. I'm kind of glad Nissan's back from the brink of bad stylingville and they're kind of doing some interesting things again. So... It's not that we don't like Nissans. It's just that we don't like Nissan Sentras, especially from the 2011 you, vintage.
1: I, yeah, I hear you. You've bumped up against something that we never talked about, and I want to touch <laughs> on it really quickly. Okay. You're talking about Nissan styling. You know, they've actually – they finally found their new corporate grille, and it is that yes. big chrome V with the Nissan symbol in the middle, right? <laughs> like, ah, that'll work. And they started it with the new Maxima, okay? They started it with the new Maxima. Okay? Right, and now they're putting on everything. And, you know, at the last New York Auto Show, they had the revised GTR with that grill on it. I don't know if you, uh, you remember seeing uh, the yes, photo yes, of that. Yes, 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 I did. But here's the I thing. Did. Here's the thing. And, and, you know, the GTR has been this constantly refined, tiny little increments thing. But they put that grill on it. And here was the weird thought I had. If you're going to introduce a corporate grill, you kind of have to either, I, I feel like, you have to either introduce it on the halo car or allow the halo car to be different. Because when I looked at the GTR, which is their halo car, I looked at the GTR and suddenly went, oh, yeah, front end looks like a Maxima. You don't want to say that. You don't want anybody to look at your DTR and be like, that looks like a Maxima. Wrong direction. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) A um, really
0: fast, powerful. Amazing Maxima, but nevertheless. <laughs> what a
1: cool Maxima. No wrong. I mean, this is the Chevy SS problem. The thing, the fact that it looks like an Impala. Just folks, come on. They're not the right way to go. But interesting, right. I, I, take, I take your point on this. So what are your what are your recommendations for it?
0: Well, I thought, all right, uh, uh, the Nissan is on the list. And that takes the form of the 370Z. And I, I actually, mm-hmm. Kevin, I, I stuck in the 30000 and slightly under price range, found a 2014 Nissan 370Z Nismo. And all of these suggestions, I thought, all right, you could get them automatic. You could – I'm kind of pushing towards manual. I had a manual car in college. And, yes, I lived in Southern California. Yes, traffic is an issue. It's hateful, awful. I want to blow my head off every time I'm sitting in traffic. However, Mm -hmm. I think think you're not going to be doing as much driving. You're not going to be – it says you're kind of commuting, but you're not commuting like to a job, if you know what I mean. Every day, in and out, at the same time. You're going to be driving in LA traffic at different times. You're going to want to take it for fun drives. And so I think you could get away with the manual. So therefore, I come to mm. that Nismo with the great manual transmission. And it's a great car. Yeah. It's thirty grand. It's yeah. slightly used. It's not new. But again, mm-hmm. who gets a new car the first year in college? I mean, I didn't. So maybe
1: I'm skewed. But that's, yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's a lot. That's a lot of car, though. That's a lot of. Car. It is. Oh the yes. Mismo three seventy Z. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. A very great car. We've <laughs> enjoyed it every time we've driven. Opposite it. of the FRS is, in terms
0: of fa- power.
1: <laughs> well, but it, but it's also just. But I mean, it's got balance similar to the FRS. It's uh-huh, also uh-huh. just you're jumping from a Sentra to that. you I feel like you've jumped over some middle <laughs> steps there. I mean, you really have. Could be. You've leapt forward. But yeah. anyway. And, but it's a great recommendation. And you're right. The price point. Man, that's a lot of car for that kind of it's model.
0: Yeah, I take a lot your point. of car. I mean. We've got a good, healthy budget to work with. And, and we could say, well, don't quite spend that much quite yet step, you know, a, a one step. Or this is kind of two steps or two and a half steps, you know, up yeah, in terms is. of power. Mm-hmm. And, you mm-hmm. know, maybe Kevin's driven other fun cars. Maybe the Sentra is just what he has. Maybe he's driven other cars. We don't know that. But he's, he's a yeah. car enthusiast and his dad is too. So, all right, maybe it's not too much of a stretch. Uh, what else? Uh, Mustangs. Let's talk Mustangs. The EcoBoost found you a 2015 Stage 1 Roush with intercooled turbo. So there you go. 30 grand. <laughs> Speaking of power, let's just uh, fire hose that one. <laughs>
1: Kevin, uh, really, our intention our here is to see if we can launch you into a hedge. That's really what we're going for. If we can find you kind of embedded hood first into the library of your it. school, we have done our job. That is really what we're going for here. Oh, so, my yeah. gosh.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I'm I'm just gonna stick with the theme because again, I'm thinking sports That's fine. car That's fine. and it runs. Go for it's it. just it just yeah, runs.
1: I see. you. I see where you are. Go on.
0: More Mustang goodness, and that is the 2016 Mustang GT, also 30 grand. And I'm looking around at slightly used for whatever reason. People get yeah. done with a car with six thousand miles on it. I'm like, I, I don't sure. know why, but all right. Sure. And then uh, finally, I landed on the 2013 Camaro SS, which is gobs of car for 30 grand. Gobs it of is. power it and car, and but reliability, yes. good styling. It's gonna work. Uh-huh. It's gonna run. You don't have to worry about it. It's I won't I won't say it's flashy, but it's it gets enough looks. So it's not it's too started, far it's yeah. not the euro you know flashy mm-hmm. I just spent money to make you look but it's it's an enthusiast car people well you know. People yeah. buy these for enthusiast purposes. I'm just imagining
1: Kevin's person. world. On Thursday, he goes to class in a center. <laughs> On Friday, he comes to class in a Camaro SS. You have stepped up, my friend. In <laughs> spite of the fact that you have what? horrific blind spots and you're looking out of a bunker, you have stepped up <laughs> massively in a Camaro SS. I do agree with that point. And, and honestly, Kevin, Paul's found you some great stuff. I have some alternate thoughts, but uh, right. what else do you have, man?
0: That's that's where I, I stop, because I've had this okay. habit of, Naming like 10 cars, and I thought, well, let's Fair. stick to four okay. just to, to right. keep it in yeah, the hey, reality.
1: A good, so that we can actually end the podcast this evening. Well, oh, yeah. It. Okay. I'm still ruminating well, he- on
0: your hedge. The, the mental image of the hedge right now. I'm
1: Seriously, really... <laughs> you're going you're gonna to put poor Kevin. He's going to be nose first oh into his gosh. dorm wall. I mean, it's just going to be bad news. I was just trying to park. That's really what's going to happen here. Apologies here, here's in the,
0: advance, Kevin. Sorry. Sorry.
1: Here's here's the thing, Kevin. I've got some kind of general thoughts about this before I dive in too far. And I like your list a lot. The Honda Accord V6, we're a fan. Now, please, first thing, change the tires yeah. on that car. But we are a fan. Mustang yes, EcoBoost. Yes. Or the V6, I would say go EcoBoost. It is a great car. You list the Subaru WRX, I mean, come on. That's our one of our go-to cars on the show. I like all of those. Here is my concern, though, and I genuinely cannot answer this question for you. You're going to have to research. You're 19. That means insurance for you is a massive deal, especially yeah, in Southern California. That's true. That's so, true. I actually suspect, and again, I don't know. You're going to have to look. But I suspect the WRX is completely off the table just based on insurance. I think it's probably gone right now. I think those cars get bought and wrecked. And you're in Southern California with a WRX. You're 19 years old. You may be the best driver on the planet. Kevin and some insurance guy is going to see you coming and buy a new boat. So, you know, don't. (laughs) I think I do. I think the WRX is out. Um, The EcoBoost Mustang, I simply don't know what your insurance cost is going to be on that. Of those three that you list up front, the Accord Coupe is probably the one that would be the cheapest to insure. I am surmising, I don't know for sure, but, but call your insurance agent and ask these questions because I think you're quickly going to find a good number of cars you might really want. You're, you're frankly, from an insurance cost perspective, not old enough to buy them. So you that is going to be a big issue.
0: Voice of reason, sanity.
1: Well, sometimes. But, well, but we trade off, man. Sometimes you, you're the <laughs> know. voice of reason and I'm off in the weeds. So I'm just thinking about that. But <laughs> You're so absolutely I, you know, right. It's
0: just, eh. You're right. It's it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. It's frustrating, frustrating. but I, it, it is, that. and
1: and that, but that's unfortunately where you are. So, and, and once you hit 25, I mean, I've joked about this before. I happen to hit 25 and get married in the same year. There are no things in the life of a man that reduces insurance more than those two combination things. I did them in the same year, and in Southern California, my insurance got like quartered. It went to like one quarter was it what it was the year prior. So you're just, especially in in the LA area, you're in that problem. My second thought for you is what kind of driving do you do and Paul's kind of alluded to this are you commuting really at all because I mean I was just in Southern California this past week and I was reminded again about how as much as I love manuals if you're genuinely commuting you want an automatic if you really are commuting at all with any kind of frequency and sitting in traffic regularly as a part of your life you're going to just want an automatic as much as I say go manual that is an area where uh, you just got to die to the fact that this is your life. So <laughs> look at that situation. I mean, seriously. Yeah. As much, I mean, come on. I had, an, I had an automatic 300ZX. Did I want an automatic 300ZX? No, I wanted a manual. But I looked right. at my life and went, okay, I'm going to drive Sunday mornings on fun drives. And the rest of the week, I'm going to be commuting in stop and go traffic. True. I'm buying an automatic. Right. I mean, that was the truth of it. So you got to look at that. I don't know your situation. Like Paul says, since you're not commuting to a job every day, maybe you'll get lucky. But you really got to figure that out. But I had a couple of thoughts for you. I would like you in something rear-wheel drive. Because if you're going to leave Central Land, I'd like to get you into something rear-wheel drive. Central you're land. To worry about, You're painting well, some seriously. great
0: word pictures. This is hilarious. Well,
1: you know, I was at Disneyland last, last week. <laughs> That's right. Um, Welcome to Central yeah, there, Land. There are, you just prepared to there, stick a
0: fork in your eye because you're going to hate yourself. There
1: are no long lines for Central Land. I, <laughs> Central Land, I, I guarantee you. No long lines for uh, anyway. the Central
0: Land ride. Come over not here. Happening. We've
1: got rides. It's <laughs> also not part of Tomorrowland. It's part of, like, ancient history land. But we're moving on. Um, you so, are yeah. on Sorry. fire. This is, this is hilarious. What, this is what Disneyland did to me, man. It was not good news. Um, yeah, but – so I would love to get you to rear-wheel drive just because it will teach you driving dynamics in a different way. So different from your Sentra. And as much as you have not liked the Scion FRS, look, do you need a lot of power? And that is the great dynamics. But I'm going to go ahead. You wanted to throw it out, so I'm going to throw it out. I'm going to say I like the EcoBoost Mustang for you as a good option. I don't know what the insurance would be on that. But the other one I thought of, automatic, rear-wheel drive, decent dynamics. I think for you it will be a revelatory car from what you're coming from. Affordable, reliable, great warranty. The Genesis Coupe. Hyundai Genesis Coupe. Mm. Get it in automatic. I think you'd love that car. It's I think it's a
0: great choice. I do. It's not
1: the the greatest of anything. It is solid across the board. And they are a lot of car for the money. They're reliable. They're affordable. I, I highly, I'm almost sniper shotting on the Genesis Coupe. I do think the Mustang's a great choice. But I would say look at your insurance costs and then take a serious look at the Hyundai Genesis Coupe because that in an automatic, it's a good college car, it's fairly usable, it's got a decent interior. I mean, you've actually got usable back seats if you need it. And, you know, I if you can, I would go V6. Insurance might require you to go 2-liter turbo. Um, I prefer the V6 in that car, but it is a good car. It is a good car dynamically, and it will be... Honestly, that's a supercar compared to your Sentra, and yet it's not a car that's so powerful or so cutting-edge on, you know, be careful, that I think you're going to get yourself in trouble. So there you go.
0: Well, riding lawnmowers are a super car in comparison to a Sentra. I mean, let's be
1: some honest Some of them might here. be. Yes, yes, some of them might be. That well, might,
0: yeah. <laughs> Kevin, uh, hear us, and that is we're saying – Get something that's usable. I Yeah, I kind of forgot about the insurance part of it. And this is not a car that you're going to be saddled with the rest of your life. You might have it no. a year or two or three through college, enjoy it, and it's going to be some car life experience. And then you'll move on to something else. So you don't have to get yeah. the – you don't have to land on – You know, the best thing ever, and I'm going to keep this forever, and that kind of thing. Think of it, Well, but maybe as an interim, but you're going to enjoy it, and drive it, Mm -hmm. and get experience with it, and move on to something else. Yeah, I mean, I
1: honestly think if you were sitting in traffic, Kevin, in an EcoBoost Mustang or a Genesis Coupe, you'd be perfectly happy sitting in traffic in the automatic version of that, just creeping Mm -hmm. along. But then when you wind up on a nice Southern California back road that's great even in automatic form, the car is gonna teach you and you're gonna have fun in it. So it's kind of walking both those lines and that's why I think both of those are options. We should probably move on to the next car debate uh, but you know what that's also Kevin. So I'm in order to in order to cleanse the palate real quick I'm gonna I'm Uh-oh. gonna sidestep and I'm gonna say have you rated the podcast because a lot of you have some of you haven't, but a lot of you have you're rating every week and the crazy thing is we are incrementally stepping up even in the top 10.
0: We're Pretty hanging awesome. out in the top ten of automotive awesome.
1: podcasts, which is great. But the podcast is not only growing because you guys are sharing and rating, but it is growing in its in its stature as far as its rating. Every single week when you guys rate and review, if you're listening on an Android device, we do recommend Stitcher. It's a great place there. You can leave a rating there as well. And actually our Stitcher rating is going up a lot even faster than our iTunes rating. I say that because Stitcher doesn't have like an automotive Area. They just got like all podcasts. General, general categories. Exactly. So we've gone from like number nineteen hundred, seriously, to number eight hundred in the past like two three weeks because you guys have started rating on Stitcher. So that's the kind of massive seismic shift you can have that you can cause to the podcast when you rate it. So thank you for listening. Share it with your car buddies. Definitely rate it. That hopefully cleanses the palate so we can talk about a new car debate. That's also Kevin. Also Kevin.
0: By the way, Kevin M., Kevin number one, the other cool thing about turning 25 is that you get to rent cars, slam the doors, and beat the cheese out of them. So that is something to look (laughs) forward to. Yeah, the fastest 25. car in
1: the world is the one you rented you're right absolutely
0: <laughs> exactly exactly uh, all right so on to kevin number two kevin b and uh what's cool about all these listeners is they're writing in at various stages of where they found us some have been with us since uh-huh. the beginning uh-huh. some found us last summer some found us you know two minutes ago and that's great yeah. And we love that you're writing in it doesn't matter when you found us we're just thrilled that you're writing in and wanting some advice and wanting wanting to mm-hmm. discuss it and mm-hmm. talk it through. So Kevin here has been watching the YouTube videos for a couple of years. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And he writes in, being a sophomore in college in Illinois, and this is interesting, it's really kind of stuck out because he used to work at a BMW dealership, mm-hmm. and he bought, mm-hmm. of course, a used 335xi, so it's the all-wheel drive 3 Series, with an automatic mm-hmm. transmission, and his response here is his email has been right corresponding with what you and I talk about in terms of maintenance it just mm-hmm. hit 60,000 miles and he writes to us it's going to cost 3 grand for just routine maintenance which i'm yeah. a little staggered at that kevin i'm uh, 3 grand maybe well, that's some I,
1: it's brutal It's brutal, is what it is. But but here's the thing: I mean, there's there's a reason. I I hate to say this, but there's a reason that BMW Corporation, through either BMWs and Minis, they offer you free maintenance and even brake pads and oil changes and everything for the first fifty. Thousand miles they wouldn't offer that if it wasn't making the money why because 10,000 miles later at 60,000 you owe them And I will say that that 3,000 for the routine maintenance. I'm guessing that's probably the dealership quote I would be curious if you went to an independent BMW dealer in I mean BMW mechanic in your area what they would quote you because I would almost guarantee it's better That doesn't mean keep this car. I get it. You're frightened of the maintenance cost. And that's a reality with German cars. I do understand that. But But I suspect that three grand could be less done by somebody else.
0: Yes. I see that maintenance. It's probably going to have to happen just to be able to sell the car. I hate to say it because Mm. if you try to dump the car, people are going to want maintenance records. And if they say, oh, 60 grand, and oh, it's going to, you know, they're going to take it in for inspection and all that kind of stuff. And if you can get a bit of a deal on that maintenance and if you can say, Hey, freshly maintained, I've got records, that will actually help you ask for more. I, I think it's Yes, it's a you're
1: going chicken end up, and egg I think kind you're gonna of gonna problem. End up- it what? is. I think you're going to end up sixes there because, you know, you see a – you and I see this all the time. You see a ton of used cars on the market, pick your brand, doesn't matter, that have been dumped between sixty and 70,000 miles. Why right. did they sell them then? Because like Kevin's facing, they were facing a big 60,000-mile maintenance, and instead of getting it done, they sold the car. And what we have said to people True. many times, many True. times, on the podcast and privately, if you buy a car in that range, sixty seventy thousand 70,000 miles – assume that maintenance interval has not been has done. Not been done. Yeah. So I think yeah. I think you're kinda of sixes, Kevin. You could get it done, try to get it done inexpensively, less than the three grand figure, in the hopes to get that money back out because you can say, hey, all maintenance is done and I'm charging more. Or you could punt like everybody else in the market and just sell it. Just Probably take a little bit less, but just save yourself the cash. You know, I think I think you could go either way on that. But either way, you're wanting out of that BMW. You don't want another European car as a result, which already hinders us from <laughs> normal recommendations. And because you're in the Illinois area, you have said you cannot get a rear-wheel drive car. I'm going to say, <clears throat> have you seen that uh, rear-wheel drive in the snow video we did? Just bringing it up. I'm just going to say it again. Tires, uh, tires, 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 tires. So there you go. Um, yeah, but funny, you don't want rear-wheel funny. drive. Okay, and you want to be under 20 grand. Yeah. So that's when you it gets interesting because of the stuff you've actually been driving stuff and I applaud you Kevin for going out and driving stuff. You've given us a list of things you've driven, what you like, what you don't like. That's when this takes kind of a fun turn.
0: So Kevin keeps writing here. He says he's been looking at new and slightly used cars with manual transmissions. Okay. All right. He also writes to us that he wants a new car because of this maintenance stuff that he's having to deal mm-hmm. with. He doesn't want to deal with the mm-hmm. The maintenance thing anymore. He wants the manufacturer backed warranty. He doesn't want the aftermarket sure, warranty, the sure. add on stuff, which we completely understand. I, I definitely understand your reasoning. I mean, you've kind of you've gotten burned. You've tasted that part of the European car ownership, and you've gotten mm-hmm. gotten burned. He also writes to us that he does not drive too much during the school year. Probably just around town, you know, going out here mm-hmm. and there on the weekends, but he is driving back and forth to to and from school, which is a two hour drive. So there is a bit yeah. of commuting in there it's not just around town and fun kinds of reasons he actually wants something that's going to be some long distance which i'm reading into some, yeah. maybe some good fuel mileage some comfort
1: and yeah some road trip highway stuff yeah. yeah 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 he's got a little bit of road tripping that happens in this car so he's thinking about that he drove a mini cooper and then he thought wait a minute this is another bmw so he got rid of that didn't want to <laughs> exactly. do that. volkswagen exactly. gti he liked but guess what that's also european he's worried about maintenance so that's also out he started driving the Scion lineup, which I imagine they're probably trying to give away, honestly, Kevin. And, uh, <laughs> they might the be Mazda paying 3, at this point. <laughs> exactly. The Please. Mazda 3 on the Honda Fit. He hated the Scion IM. He liked the Fit from a from the uh, gear shift uh, transmission perspective, which, of course, you did. It's one of the best ones out there. But he thought it was 10. He didn't like the engine noise. So he landed on either the Scion IA, which is the Mazda 2 or the Mazda 3. Those are his two kind of front runners. And he went, all right, guys, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I've got some choices. I stuck with four. And I okay. stuck with your price point, Kevin. I really tried hard. you. You're I went growing. shopping. I'm growing. I'm maturing here in my <laughs> lack of money spending, other people's money, Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so first I went looking for Hyundai Veloster turbos and discovered sure. they even have sure. a new rally edition with blue paint. If you can believe that. That mm-hmm. makes it a rally edition with the different paint. So, yes, of course it does. We like the Veloster. We've not driven the turbo, but we like the Veloster Dynamics as it is and add more power mm-hmm. to that and thought, "Wow, what a great car." Now, that is in the new category, and I thought, well, mm-hmm. I know you want a new car, but we are very, again, very attracted to the very slightly used, just came off a lease, or somebody just didn't like it, or couldn't afford yeah. the car, yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. all those things. So I came back with the Fiesta ST. Might not be the best road trip kind of car, but it certainly is fun. The yeah. the, the Fiat 500, I know it's European. The Abart, I know it's European. But Yeah,
1: I wondered about gosh. that, too. The maintenance ah. is the concern there. I think I, I agree with you. The, the, the 500 Force 500 is interesting. I don't know. I, I, I don't have it in front of me. I'd be curious to know what reliability ratings those things are getting and what you know kind of maintenance costs. I'm worried about the maintenance on that based on your concerns, Kevin. But I, I have to admit, that belongs on the list to certainly go drive. It's,
0: it's some kind of option. And then I finally, mm-hmm. Kevin, I landed on the car I think you should get. It's been recommended by me more than once. And Uh-oh. either new or slightly used. Slightly used 2015 Honda CRZ for 18K. Mm. It doesn't have to be mm. the Mugen expensive edition, but I just had yeah. fun driving that car. It's not the most powerful thing on the planet. It's refined. It's a Honda. It runs. It's good looking, yeah. I think. It's going to be a good road trip car. It's going to run forever. And that thing you like about the fit... Yeah, you can find that on the CRZ, but it's With lower, better dynamics. sleeker, yep. better yep. dynamics. When you push yep. it hard and you get it, you know, you get your... Your momentum going through corners and you're keeping your speed. It's fun. It's just it's a genuinely fun fun car.
1: It's it's much more fun than people think. I love that you brought that up. I had I had totally forgotten about that car. CRZ is a great option because you're right. It does combine the things he liked about the fit with the thing you know and and it doesn't have any of the downsides. That's a great thought. I hadn't thought about that. Just I didn't go that route. But okay, I see how you got there.
0: Yeah, 2014s, 2015s for 18, 17k, and I thought, oh. Yeah, Kevin. At least go drive one, and and let me know what you well, think. You, yes, they're not hugely powerful. Just okay, no. but all right. Who cares? They're
1: fun. But they've got that hybrid. They've got that hybrid help, and that helps with, with some of the general torque and all that. That's that's a good that's a good like wild card option. I love that. I have a couple that okay. I thought of, and I wanted to go down down a road to let's talk about the Scion iA again, which again is Mazda two. And right, then, of course, right. we have the Mazda 3. And he's comparing those. He liked both of them. So we're essentially talking Mazda 2, Mazda 3. He's, he likes both of those. Of course, for his budget... The mazda 2's got stuff on it and the mazda 3 is bare bones and that makes him want to go with the mazda 2 (laughs) essentially wants to go with the scion because he can get (laughs) stuff on it and that leads me to something that you've already kind of said paul and that is i understand it kevin i get it you want to get a new car for the peace of mind the warranty but i'm going to say to you get get a one-year-old car get something with ten ten thousand miles on it you'll have Two years left of warranty and two years left you know, on, on either mileage or time. Two years left. By that point, you're out of college. Maybe it's a reliable car you want to keep. Maybe it's a car you want to get rid of. But we're talking about you still can maintain all of that warranty uh, benefit and safety, but yet you can uh, get into a more expensive car. Where I'm headed here is get the Mazda 3. I know a guy that just I like two it. weeks ago. Just 2 weeks ago for 20 grand got a grand touring 1 year old Mazda 3. Now that car new was at least 28. He got the big engine with 184 horsepower. He got an automatic and you want a manual which will bring the price down. He got it loaded out. 20 grand. That car is good dynamically. It's a great road trip car. You'll be very genuinely comfortable in that car. I think with your budget, you could find a one-year-old Mazda 3 and check all the boxes. I really I like that, do. too. I think it's better.
0: It's got the reliability thing going. It's
1: got the fuel mm-hmm.
0: economy thing going. Loads of space. And you can,
1: And you don't have to get yourself all the base stuff. Mazda 3. I get it. You, I, you don't want the base one. I, I, I totally right. understand that. But you can right. get into the better one by shopping one-year-old. And then I will say one other car. We haven't driven yet. And I will acknowledge we haven't driven it. But I, have, I am yet to hear one bad thing about it. So I have to bring it up here. I can't ignore it. And that is go drive the new Honda Civic. Hmm.
0: We haven't driven that. I think yeah. it's
1: worth it. I think it's worth it. I, have, I mean, people that we re- respect and trust that we think really know cars are talking about it's great.
0: So I'm willing
1: I'm willing to kind of recommend that without having driven it because of some of the people I know of that have recommended that car. And for your budget, you can get one. You know, what range can you get? How far can you stretch? That's gonna depend on your budget and what deals you can find. But that new Civic is gonna be again, it's kinda like the CRZ you recommended, Paul. It's got the good things about Honda. And I'm only hearing good things about the Civic. So I think that's the alternative to that three.
0: <clears throat> that's a good one. I've been noticing those things around now. They're, they're really starting to get out there. Mm-hmm. People are buying them. They've got some pretty crazy tail light shapes. And in the dark, when those LEDs, those rear lights are lit up, it's pretty funky looking. I have to admit, I'm cool kind of digging it.
1: Yeah. I do too. I, I really, really want to drive that car because I, I'm actually liking the styling overall. I think it's got, in some variations, it's got a, a rear tail light unibrow. But in spite of that, I do think overall it looks really good, and you know Honda has has I don't know they they kind of deserve I know this sounds weird they kind of deserve a comeback with the Civic, and I think yeah. based on what we're hearing yeah, yeah. they've done it here. So uh, I really am excited to drive that car.
0: Be interesting to drive that, and then when the new Si comes out, then also you know either do something around that, um, mm-hmm. you know just to just to compare both of those cars. I mean we really we're not you know always into the Civic kind of thing, but. We're hearing good things. I'm looking forward to the well, SI. I, that could well, be. Well, they're really talking
1: about you. Know, maybe cool, bringing the crazy Type R here. I mean, you know, let's, yeah. let's get let's get some hot Civics here. I want to drive those. I really do. I really yeah. really do.
0: I like that. So I we like should, that.
1: We've got we've got one more college thing, and then we'll get to your Facebook questions. This is not Kevin. Now apparently, uh, this is the one place we left Kevin. <laughs> Maybe, I was looking maybe, for maybe a third his name, Kevin. <laughs> maybe his name used to be Kevin, but now that he's graduated, he's changed it. This is Julius writing to us. <laughs> right. uh, apparently, if you go to college right now, your name is Kevin. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so Julius is writing to us. He, he just graduated about a year ago, and uh, he's, he's been following us for actually not all that long, about six months or so, and he has he landed himself a very good job. And he pretty much has no car experience. He went through college with a 1998 Mitsubishi Gallant in beige.
0: That's like a lateral move from a Sentra. You can see the Gallant like right next door. Like, it's
1: just, well, it's, you know what? It's, it's kind of, I, it's, it's no different than saying, I drove a Japanese Buick that my mom gave me. It's that kind of thing. You got a 98 Mitsubishi Gallant in beige. OK, it got you through college, fine. But now he has some money, and he actually bought it. I know this is why you put this in here, Paul, because right when he graduated <laughs> he about got that, 18 months <laughs> ago, he bought himself a 2009 GMC Acadia. Now, I know you didn't buy mine, Julius, but that's exactly what my wife had before we brought the, bought the Cayenne. So he bought himself an 'oh nine GMC Acadia, which, let's be honest, also not an enthusiast car. In fact, I'm not really sure why you bought that, Julius, because it's huge. There's so much room in that car. Yeah.
0: And so you've got this monster
1: seven seater, which you've had for a while, and you've been saving up your money for about the last 18 months, two years. Now you want to sell the Acadia and get a genuine sports car. And Paul, I don't know that I can read this with a straight face. I think you're going to have to cover (laughs) how much budget Julius has to work with.
0: I, uh, uh, um, Julius, I wrote, I, I read this, and I knew that we had to podcast about. Your needs here and and uh yep. what you're talking about because Julius wrote to us and said that he is ready to pick up two drivers' cars with a budget of eighty thousand dollars u s so that's either two <clears> cars <throat> for forty k each or one for eighty mm-hmm. Julius my first <laughs> salary out of college was forty grand a year, so yeah. The fact that you have this money, this this much money, ready to plunk down on two cars, or eighty for one, or we could dice it up sixty yeah. forty, or any other way, we could go nuts. I mean, you've got I am such floored. a great budget. Congratulations yes. on yes. your
1: great job. I will acknowledge that right away. Congratulations on your great job. And then the the other thing that's interesting about this is is let's let's just here's the headline we've got somebody julius has got eighty thousand dollars and going all right guys what do i do and he's only driven two cars he's driven the 98 galant and yeah. the Acadia. that is his entire car experience and and i have to go ahead and, and kind of tip my hand right now and that okay. is i don't have a car for julius i have a list of recommendations because i think I, I don't think I can give Julius a car recommendation. I need to I, I have kind of a life experience suggestion for Julius, and then I want him to come back to us when he's done this homework. That's where my mm. mind is, but I want to know where you went.
0: That's interesting, because I hate to be Debbie Downer on this one, and that's I hope that doesn't come across that way. But I'm going to be a voice of reason as well with this, because that also caught my eye, the fact that these are the cars that you've driven. And I think, mm-hmm. all right, right, eighty grand. let us say you get one hot $80,000 car or four, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and you haven't driven very many other cars. And I'm kind of getting worried here for many reasons mm-hmm. because this is about as wide open as it gets. Now, Julius, you it didn't is. mention specific Absolutely. needs like commuting or road trips or two doors or four doors. I think you've had this singular vision, which I love, and I'm laughing. And I did come up with a list of cars, but after I did, then I backed up and I went, huh, Julius, you're not used to high-maintenance cars. You aren't. Mm. European mm. cars True. from Fair insurance, yeah. taxes, tires, fuel, maintenance alone. Yeah. And we don't want you to do the hedge thing like Todd so vividly described at the top of the podcast <laughs> with the first Kevin, and I think... If these are the only cars that you have had experience with, I really want you to get some pro driving instruction at a track through NASA, through a car club, through somebody. I hadn't thought
1: about that. I see that. I want you
0: to go sit right seat or shotgun, whatever, and feel what a pro driver can do with a car and think, Mm. all right, Mm. are my driving skills up? If I got an $80,000 something, could I handle that car? Because I'm... I'm a little concerned here and I like what you're talking about as far as life experience. I'm curious to hear what you have because I've got this list, but yeah. uh,
1: But you know what? I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna follow the train of thought for a second. With eighty grand in your pocket, you could get yourself a brand new loaded out Corvette C seven. You could. You could just go get one right now. Just go down to the dealer, buy one. You could get yourself a Hellcat. Oh
0: my god! I, I, I didn't don't think of that one. Yeah, I, you Holy you could cow. just
1: you could just walk into a dodge dealer and go, "Hi, I like that Hellcat over there, and I even like the plum color." And done, done. We're out, we're out the door. <laughs> you could get yourself, you know, used Porsches, and you could get yourself. I mean, yeah. you could get an Aston Martin Vantage. Honestly, if you wanted to go shop used, you could get an Aston Martin Vantage. the The range of cars you could buy at eighty thousand dollars would boggle your mind, and you could get honestly, Julius, I'm jealous. You could get amazing stuff. But I want you to come back at us with what you want, what you like, and why. And so my thinking is this. Set that money aside for a moment. I love your high-performance driving thing, Paul. Find, it, find your local track and take a driving day. That is a great Take one. a driving day. You know, Feel what high-performance cool, cars do. I hadn't thought about that. And that is, that is cool. But, but here's the thing. Just because you have a driving experience, even if they are marginal test drives— I'm going to give you a list of cars, and none of these are buys. All of these are reference. Because you've said here you want rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. You definitely want a manual transmission. You've said you don't want any paddle shifts and no Miatas. Okay. I'm looking at your, your background. I'm looking at your budget. I want you to spend that budget into cars you love, but I want you to have reference. So I made a list of must-go-drive these cars. Sure.
0: You made it as a and starting And it starts.
1: Place. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking, yep. go get extended test drives. And it starts, honestly, with the Miata. If you haven't driven one, go find a brand new Miata and drive it. I'm not saying you're buying it. Go drive one. Go drive one as soon as you can get yourself in one. You also need to drive the FRS and the BRZ. I'm not saying buy that either, but you need to drive those two cars because they're so different, especially than that Acadia. I mean, oh my lord, so different than what you've driven. Even an around the block drive is going to be worthwhile, though I would see. Do you know anybody that has these cars? Can you borrow a friend's? Can you get an extended test drive? Can you rent one? Get one of those cars. And then adding to that list, it's kind of a greatest hits thing. Drive the Fiesta ST or find a buddy. You you, you just graduated college. Somebody you know has a Fiesta ST. (laughs) Drive that car for the day. Somebody
0: has one, surely. Drive that
1: car for the day. While you're at it, new Camaro and new Mustang. Drive both of those. Find, you know what? Rent one, for God's sakes. Rent a V6, for that matter. I mean, rent one of those new cars. But you could rent a Mustang GT from a lot of places or a Camaro SS. Rent one of those. Because the thing I don't want you to do is do the -the around-the-block test drive and go, I've driven that car. No, you haven't. Yeah, absolutely. But if you can find, I mean, you know, I don't know your area. I don't know what you've got available rental-wise. But I wouldn't, even a lot of places, have got the Enterprise exotic version, which... The exotic version can literally be the Camaro SS. Find cars you can rent. Well, Spend yeah, some money. Rent yeah. a car for a weekend. Take some drive. So new Mustang, new Camaro, absolutely. The BMW 2 Series, go drive that. And then you're coming out of an SUV, the Acadia, go drive the Macan. Hmm. Because this is what SUVs can be. That's the smaller 5C <laughs> this SUV is what they can that's do. also... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, now, nah. that's not obvious, but, but it's what they can do. But a five-seat SUV is really hot. You're going to be closer to your Acadia ride height. You need to drive a Con. You need to drive a Cayman SS. Honestly, Julius, if you drive those cars or even half of that list, I've given you a lot, but that's your homework, man. If you drive those cars, you come back to us. You will be able to say, guys, I drove these. Here's what I like, and here's what I need. And at that point, I can say, here's your car, Julius. But right now, I want you to drive stuff, man.
0: Yeah, me too. And you know what? I like where you've gone because this is the first time on the car debate that we've given homework assignment and the first Mm -hmm. time we've done a come back to us and a follow-up podcast. Now, we followed up with here's what people have bought in the past, but we've never done a give you some homework, go drive these things or go do these steps and then come back and we'll finish the podcast. It Mm -hmm. could turn into a three-parter with this because... The further we get into this, I'm getting more reluctant to even name the cars that I came up with because I thought, all right, mm. getting two similar drivers cars for 40k each, well that's a bit redundant. Why don't we start it with is. It one? Is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're used to that, you've driven some things, you've got some track time under your belt and then maybe you need for 20k some other daily fun hot hatch that's not quite the hair on fire because sure. at 50 sure. to 80 grand there's a lot of horsepower in that range. There's a lot of You're fearsome right. Right. cars. And you should have well, heard. Yeah. We just drove Mustangs last weekend. We drove mm-hmm. the the 2013 Boss 302 and a 2016 GT350 privately owned mm-hmm. by Justin. Thank you so much. That yes. car you should have heard the stream of consciousness come over the radio to me after Todd got in it <laughs> for the first time. It was a – I'm not going to say the words, but he was, it was floored. It pinned it was our ex, ears back.
1: expletive-laden. It was expletive-laden, yes. Yeah. Um, Julius we, and everybody, it pinned
0: our ears back because we were floored with that new Mustang. We liked it mm-hmm. a lot. The things it can do will shock you. And that's a $51,000 car. Yeah. So I think – You could go buy argh, one right now. Yeah, you yeah. Could, you, you just – I'm, I'm I, grinding
1: I, and, my teeth over here, you know? And I want to. I want to be careful. I want to be really careful. Careful here, Julius. I am in no way suggesting you couldn't buy one of these cars and not thoroughly enjoy it and never get yourself in trouble. That's absolutely true. I just because you have wiggle room in your budget, I want you to really sample a lot of things so you can go into the purchase and know you got the right car. Because mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, I knew I knew a guy. I knew a guy that fell into some money. And he liked the look of Maseratis, and he went and bought himself a Maserati sedan. He jumped from an absolute just rusted hulk of a car to a Maserati sedan, and to my knowledge, drove pretty much nothing else. And I scratched my head and was like, I'm glad you like your car, but you had so much money to spend, and you drove nothing that's that's my recommendation here, is just get yourself, because I think, especially if you can drive some things back to back, or rent a Mustang one day and a Camaro the next day, or whatever you can do, you will, in that back-to-back seat time, you will instantly be like, I like this, I don't like that. And you will come to Mm -hmm. us a totally different driver with this great budget, which is what I love so much. So, yeah, homework for you, Julius. There you go.
0: Wow, this is pretty cool. And Julius, to Todd's point, the more cars that I rent, I'm noticing just about every, all the big names, the car rental agencies, do some sort of performance or higher end. Obviously, mm-hmm. you gotta pay more money, mm-hmm. but we want you to be happy with what you end up getting because if you're gonna plunk down this much money, why don't you spend, you know, a thousand bucks to go rent some interesting yeah. things? Hertz yeah, does yeah. it. Avis has a great program. I see a lot of great cars. They'll rent you Caymans and all kinds of great stuff. Uh, Enterprise and, has their exotics.
1: You they, know, and they I, do I feel some like stuff there. I feel like guys with Fiestas, and maybe it's just me, but guys with Miatas, Fiestas, BRZs, I feel like they'd let you drive some too. I mean, I don't know where you are, but Probably. if you were close to me, I'd say, come here, drive the FRS. I mean, I right. you know let's go right. put a couple hundred miles under it. Let's do that because it's interesting when you get out of the test drive mentality and you really drive a car, and that takes some time and some decent roads, but it's worth it for you to know what you're getting into.
0: Great, homework. This is pretty cool. I, I never, uh, I didn't see this coming. I, I really didn't, but uh, pretty cool. So hopefully that you've – Julius, keep in mind that we're doing this because, again, we want you to be really happy with what you get. You've got a great budget. We're really excited, and we look forward mm-hmm. to continuing this to part two. Yeah. So tell us what you think, write back, and let's keep the conversation going. We, we, we're really digging this. So mm-hmm. – for now, let's jump to some Facebook questions. Pulling up the Facebook website here, we have of which loads there
1: are many. I mean, you guys have just bombarded <laughs> us tonight, which is great. I mean, you know, brace yourself because uh, there's a lot of stuff to run through.
0: <coughs> Although some people did write in two or three times. Blake, I saw one, two, three, mm-hmm. four times, but I just thought even if we answer these with quick. Quick hits, I th- it'd be nice to get to everybody's question here. I thought that would be
1: pretty mm-hmm. cool. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: So uh, reload the page, refreshing the page here. Yeah. Make sure we get everybody. And... Yeah, you're going to have to
1: keep scrolling. There's a lot of scrolling. There's like like three, three page scrolls here. Yeah, yeah, you were like, let's do all of them. <laughs> but I was like, have you seen how many there are?
0: Okay, B- we're going to have to go buckle fast. Buckle up,
1: folks. This is a three-part <laughs> podcast. Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right,
0: starting up at the top here, Michael asking for thoughts on the Hyundai Genesis sedan, specifically this new R-Spec 5.0. Michael, I, we are loving what Hyundai's doing, and talking to more designers at Hyundai, as a matter of fact, I like hearing their philosophies. They work really hard. It's pretty cool knowing that Peter Schreier is behind the design of this car. Mm-hmm. He came from Audi, and I think Hyundai is continually knocking out of the park. I wouldn't hesitate they're to doing, recommend Hyundai at this work.
1: point. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Hyundai is is right now where Lexus was in the first three, four years of their existence. Wow. And that is... Wow, you, I agree. My, my point is, you get into their stuff and you go, oh, I can see we're all... I mean, this is a little bit of Mercedes and this is a little bit of BMW. You can see the influence when you get into their cars and you can tell they aren't as quite as high end and they aren't quite as dialed. But then you look at the price and you go oh, yeah, I really ought to get this. That's yeah, the thing that yeah. the Hyundai's doing. And, you know, we haven't driven this R-Spec 5.0. I'd be very curious to drive it. Of course, the obvious comparo would be throw that up against a big BMW or a big Mercedes. Um, I Most of the time when we've had <laughs> Hyundais back-to-back with the more refined brands, their handling is a cut underneath. But the price is such a cut underneath that it's like, okay, you know, you gave me 80% of the handling for 60% of the price. I can deal with that. I mean, that's what they kind of are doing. <laughs> I can wear know? that. <laughs> exactly. 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 Um,
0: awesome. Uh, all right, we've got another Michael here asking about a bit of speculation on the impending driverless car era. I mm-hmm. did my best to not talk about Tesla. It just, it's really tough. But I like that you're sort of bringing up the whole driverless car and influencing insurance rates. So. What Michael is asking here is, the rest of us that don't want to join that driverless car revolution, are we going to be penalized or Mm -hmm. saddled Mm -hmm. with higher insurance rates because we want to keep our cars? I wouldn't say it's something to worry about right now. Obviously, it is coming down the road. I think insurance companies would do well to keep things where they're at for the rest of us, and then let's see what happens with driverless cars. Honestly, driverless cars might be a bit more initially because we don't know what they're going to do. We don't know if they're going to get in accidents. And then who's at fault? We actually don't know. I could actually see the opposite happening. If you still have a car that you drive, well, we'll give you a discount. If you've got one of these newfangled driverless, we're not sure what to do with this or what category. It might be initially a spike Mm -hmm. on that side.
1: But we'll just have to Uh see. We're, we're but what we're talking about michael is when does the tipping point happen I mean at some point you're right right be the tipping point when if everybody, and I don't think, look, I don't think this is close. In spite of how well Tesla and Mercedes and Volvo are doing with their autonomous ideas, even Infiniti, in spite of that, I don't think this is a close reality. I think there will be a kind of a hybrid world for a while where you have older cars retrofit with uh, with autonomous and some of the cars are and some aren't and there's hybr- there's you know lanes for autonomy and lanes that aren't. I think there'll be a lot of crossover for a while, maybe decades. But you're right. At some point, does this have a tipping point? And it touches into something. You and I talked about this a little bit, Paul. And I don't think it was this same Michael. I think it was somebody else that wrote in about their concern about this is that at some point, a car will be looked at like current gun ownership is, that you are in possession of a deadly thing. Mm-hmm. if you want right, to drive for right. yourself. Now, that's 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 kind of a glass half empty, maybe glass quarter empty, dark view, but I can see it from an insurance or legal perspective if if at some point everybody is going around in driverless perfect pods that nobody has to worry about because they're all connected to the cloud, what about the guy in the Hellcat? Is he now dangerous? I could see sure. a lawyer arguing that. That's actually the thing I'm more curious about, is what is the perception if you want to go manhandle your own vehicle, where is that? And you're right, if we reach that point, then this may be an insurance shift. Let's hope it's, uh, let's hope it's a long time after I stop driving. We'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll just have to see. But, but that's, that, that'll be an interesting one to revisit. As time goes on and we keep touching on mm-hmm. this, because of how yeah. fast things are changing, this will be interesting to keep touching on and say, you know, it might be interesting to have somebody from an insurance industry come on and, and weigh in on this subject. I'd be curious to hear what. they Except that
1: right now they have no idea. They have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: um, we'll keep moving uh, to Sean asking for both of us. Sean is asking you, why didn't you go for the three seventy Z over the FRS, and to mm-hmm. me, why not a C seven over the new M two? What do you think?
1: And, and I want, well, I want to pause here real quick and say one of the great things about Sean—he's one of our patrons. And so oh, yes, he's, yes, he's on a lot of our patron calls. We do our patron calls at upper level every month. We, we get on with our patrons. And you can get free films and lots of stuff from being a patron. But one of the funny things about Sean is that invariably almost every Hangout call, almost every time we post for questions, <laughs> Sean has a throwdown. He, he always throws at some question that is a total like head-scratcher conundrum of, huh, wow, how do I answer that? But I will answer your question, Sean. There's a couple reasons I didn't go 370. One, I'd already owned a Z car, so I kind of wanted to, to branch out. I'd never owned a Toyota product; that's part of it. Secondly, I like the Z car. Every time I drive it, I like it. It is surprisingly loud inside, and I look—the FRS is loud inside, but loud inside from a standpoint of you just hear debris coming off the wheel wells and striking the car. I don't hear that in the FRS. Heck, I don't hear that in the Lotus Elise. That is mm, one thing in the 370Z mm, that always surprised me, and the frs look when i decided i couldn't go lotus elise then i realized all right if i'm going to be at the 20 grand range what can i get that is usable cheap to own and maintain and you know might actually have a little bit of utility about it the frs has got a back seat it was a yep. newer car I, I look i the thing that the 370z definitely has over the frs is sheer power absolutely i think it's kind of a wash dynamically though as far as handling is concerned I don't think there's a winner in that category. I think they both have their pros and cons, and I think it's almost a wash. I mm. liked the gearbox on the FRS quite a bit, actually a little bit more than I do on the 370Z. I'd owned a Z car, I like the visibility out of the FRS better. So for me it was I can get a car that I'm more intrigued by than I am the 370. I like the 370 a lot. But that was the thing for me on the FRS. I gained a back seat, I got a cheaper car, I got better gas mileage. Yes, I lost on power. There's no question I lost on power. But on the things I was looking for, especially dynamics, I won. Hmm. Hm.
0: I don't think I'd ever heard that from you, but that's pretty interesting. Well, and,
1: and it's and it's also the fact that look, the Lotus Elise made me obsessed with lightweight. I'm aware of it. That yeah. that yeah. uh that frs weighs like 500 pounds less than the 370z (laughs) you you can feel that you can absolutely feel you can feel that yeah it and it Um, doesn't mean and and that's not a strike against the z at all the z the last time i was in one it was the nismo on the track and i just got out of it going man that's a good car but i i became kind of obsessed with the low weight thing and 2700 pounds sounds pretty cool
0: Agreed. Huh, that's pretty cool. I like the I like the perspective on that cuz you're kind of a uh, Nissan guy too a little bit from uh from ownership. I loved
1: I loved my Z car. I loved my 300ZX. Yeah. I really did. And and some days that's one of those cars that if I just had money, I'd go buy a pristine one right now. That'd be in my car collection. I just like that car. But yeah, anyway. Pretty cool.
0: All right, so Sean also asks me why not the C7 over the M2. Which is fair. I didn't see that one coming. And you're right, Sean threw down and <laughs> stuffed us yep. again here. But uh, uh, many reasons. First of all, I'm Euro car snob, which I admit. Yes, Although the C7, it, That's good. I, I mm-hmm. acknowledge it. I mean, I guess the first step towards recovery is acknowledging you have a problem, even though I don't yes, want to fix the problem. I just want to acknowledge it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you will stay addicted, I'll, thank I'll, you. I'll keep it being addicted over here. I'm, yeah, I got a problem and
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh
0: we both admitted that we like to see the C7 and we would own that car i i think a used C7 is right about the same price as a new M2 probably just over 50 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the M2 that that 235i the dynamics really spoke to me in in such a way i mean we drove it in pilgrimage if you haven't seen pilgrimage like how i worked that in there if you haven't seen yeah, that well we done. drove it on the track at spa probably. And the dynamics of that in car, the rain. It's a, in the rain, it's smaller. I liked the smaller feel around me. The C7 handles well despite its size, but you can still feel its size. Mm-hmm. And I liked that two chassis, and I really hope and know that I'm going to love that M2 for the smaller dynamics, just the little more nimble kind of thing. But you're right. The, the C7 is a, is a valid choice. I just went with the Euro car snob thing, and I, I just am attracted to the styling more than the C7. That's kind of why I went in that direction. So fair question, though.
1: Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna add a little addendum here, and that is, I don't know if you've noticed the time, but we're coming up on a one-hour podcast, and we have about a dozen questions left. I'm we gonna are. recommend well, that uh, we each pick one, one more. Well, all right. I just I, I otherwise seriously, this is going to be the ninety-minute podcast, which we can always have questions next time. These questions don't die, folks. We'll just get to them another time.
0: That's true. That's true. All right, there was one. Well, I'm going to call out Mandy Hales. This is Chance's wife. Chance is one of our top shooters. Yeah yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I love, Mandy, that you listen to the podcast and you ask and poke us, and I think that's pretty funny. So um, uh, there was one other one. I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, trying to find it. Uh, trying to find this question. Matt. Matt has asked this before,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I wanted to get to this because he owns a CRZ, which we have recommended here, which I have recommended here, yep. and asks yep. about the clutch might be going out, and how do you know? How do you know if the clutch is going out? Uh, two ways. The first of all is take it to your <laughs> Honda mechanic or your dealer and say, hey, throw it up on the lift. Can you dive in? Pay you 30 40 bucks, whatever. Can you do a quick once-over? It's almost like they're doing a pre-check on your car. You sure. could actually, even though you're keeping the car and you still own it, you could say, what does the car need? I mean, just... Mm-hmm. You know, what do I need to do? And they can definitely check clutch life for you. But one of the dead giveaways is a high clutch engagement. Now, there are cars that we've driven that are naturally this way out of the factory. But generally Mm -hmm. speaking, if the clutch engages pretty high off the floor and it's a short engagement, it's sort of like a light switch, that kind of gives you an idea that you don't have very much asbestos left on that clutch. You don't have too much (laughs) Asbestos. Toxic well, ingredients making it you know, your exactly.
1: clutch. How many, how many toxins are left? But you know what? You bring up an interesting point about the, the, the dealer because I also had this thought. The, the clutch is one of those things, Matt, where you get used to it over time and you don't realize that it's going bad necessarily because you don't remember what it felt like when it was new. So you could literally go to your local Honda dealer and get in a brand new CRZ just long enough to push in the clutch. Oh, great idea. And be like, huh. That feels the same. Or if you can't tell, take it around the block and just say, you know, I want to understand... You know what's the difference? So that That's is a when I, you know, when I had my Saab nine two X, I got to a place where I needed to get the clutch done. How did I know? Well, <clears throat> the clutch kind of stopped working, which is one way you know. But uh, because that, the, there's an old there's an old adage about getting your transmission worked on that it costs the same amount of labor to get it checked as it does to fix it. So you just wait till it breaks. There's so there's that. <laughs> but um, we have known people they,
0: that just, oh, I guess it's broken now. I guess I need to maintain my car. Like, ugh. Well but okay. i no, 'm
1: not saying av- i'm not saying avoid the maintenance i 'm just saying the labor involved to break into your transmission is the same whether you 're Looking at it to see if it yep. needs to be replaced, or you're yep. fixing it. So that creates a scenario where you know it's it's not like let's let's break into it to make sure. Yep, everything's fine. Well, you're in there now. Let's do something. <laughs> Can we so actually that's what I'm saying. fix the problem? But, but you could actually you could get in a new CRZ and see how the clutch feels different. Paul's right. It depends on engagement level. But when I got into my Saab 92X after getting the clutch done, it felt incredibly different in where it caught. And mm-hmm. the the, yeah. the the difficulty of the clutch pedal. So just having a frame of reference, because that's the thing. As you drive a car, you're steadily used to it over time as it wears out. Get into another CRZ, and I think you'll probably know kind of right away.
0: All right, Dammy, Jonathan, Marco, Wood, Mike, Neil, Naveed, Matt, and Julian, and Blake, we see your questions. We, that well, means I, we have to on. start with all their questions at the top of the I'm gonna, podcast I'm going to do
1: one more. I'm going to do one more. Julian's comment is a question oh, that I've heard many, many, many all right. times all right. since we – since because we, you, you picked one. I'm picking this one. Since since we did the tuning on the FRS, many people have asked this question, so I want to go ahead and, and acknowledge it. And that is, hey, you want more power out of the FRS, Todd? Why not go E85? I will tell you why not e85 it has everything to do with availability the closest e85 station to me is 40 miles away that is also the only e85 station pretty much anywhere near me all of the rest of them are much much farther if they exist at all if they're even selling it i never go anywhere near where the station is and i'm not going to drive 40 miles away for gas so, as soon as I looked into that reality, I went, guess what? We're not doing E85. So, that's why I wouldn't. I mean, I know there are people in other cities. I mean, LA is another great example. They've got E85 near them, they drive right mm. by that station. Uh, that changes your world. But, it, I mean, it's, you know, it, as weird as it sounds, it's almost the same thing as a, a person with an electric car figuring out where's your charging point. You know, my life will never take me by an E85 station unless I go massively out of my way. There's just no point. So sure. I'll be yeah. tuning it for normal gas, and off I go.
0: Wow. Lots of questions. Mm-hmm. And they'll probably still keep coming in. They're still
1: coming they will. in. No, we, right. could, we maybe Yikes. we'll start doing that. Maybe we'll double up on our podcast, and we'll have a car debate followed by a questions podcast. Who knows? I mean, we're having all kinds of theories here, but there's a lot of good questions. It's great.
0: Pretty good. Thank you, guys, for writing in. As always, EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com for the car debate, Facebook for the questions, and you're right. Maybe we're going to have to do separate – podcast for just questions because these are quick enough but they're good Mm -hmm. they're they're really thought-provoking and there's there's good ones in here so uh anyway blake i like this question here will cadillac make an m2 fighter anyway we'll get to it we'll get to it uh for now (laughs) for now (laughs) thank you so much we really appreciate you listening watching and uh we will talk to you next
1: week